welcome to the Pathfinders Breakthrough to Organizational Excellence. I'm your host, Jay Graves. And today we have Jamie Pickett, VP of Manufacturing Excellence Integrated Mission Systems at L3 Harris. And we're here to talk about psychological safety. Jamie's a personal friend of mine, and I am so excited to have you on. Jamie, welcome to the Breakthrough. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, I've been really looking forward to having our chat. And we did this a couple of months ago and, um, you know, really fascinating topic of psychological safety. So it's so incredibly important to organization success and to their culture. So why don't you give us a little background on you and and, and then your thoughts on psychological safety? Sure. So, um, you know, a little bit of an odd you know, tail, I guess, but um, 22 years in automotive, about eight months in defense, and became a student of culture somewhere along the way. And and on the journey, learned what psychological safety is. um, And and really that it's just that fearlessness to speak your mind and give your ideas and, and be truthful, regardless of the situation, no matter if it's good news or bad news or you're just speaking contrary to the, you know, going direction um, and giving pause. But it's just so important because, you know, today it's so easy to get caught up in groupthink or, you know, just go with the flow. And the reality is we're paid for our minds. And if if we're not getting the individual hearts and minds and ideas and, and opinions of our workforce, then as leaders and as companies, we're just not going to be the best that we can be. And, and that's just the, you know, the corporate piece of it and the business side of it. But the, the personal and individual side is that that safety brings people engagement. It makes them love to come to work. It makes them feel like they're valued for who they are. And it so it's a win-win. And yet so few leaders are talking about it. it it's sort of shocking to me. Yeah. And how did you, you know, you, you said you kind of became a student of it. How were you first introduced to the notion of psychological safety? You know, it's, it's all founded really, at least I learned about it from, you know, how to drive continuous improvement. And that foundation of psychological safety is what helps people lean into their ideas and express something different that's against the status quo. Um, but the more I peeled it back and, you know, other students of culture type, I'm a big Disney fan and mm-hmm. had gone through some of their training regarding um, really just leadership excellence. And it, they talk about culture by design and kind of, it was sort of the same theme of you have to describe the behaviors you want from people to define that culture. And that they never talked about psychological safety per se, but really just described that you, you have to harvest the ideas of, of the workforce. And the data driven side of me really bought in when I learned of Google's research and their research suggested that as they'd searched for the perfect team structure, what, you know, what was the secret recipe? They found that it, it, it wasn't pedigree and it wasn't experience and it wasn't a lot of things, but that a team that had psychological safety was, and I forget their data, but significantly more likely to meet their revenue goals and exceed them. Mm -hmm. And, and teams without it were significantly more likely to not meet those goals and it just kind of clicked in my head. It's like, well, it, it is really all about harvesting the observations and, and knowledge of, of the workforce because nobody knows it better than those using whatever the system is, whether you're building something or processing IT or or just, you know, being the communication mechanism that, that leadership can be. If, if you're not able to or you don't feel that it's accepted if you have a different opinion, 
then the reality is we may as well all just follow direction <laughs> like you yeah. do in kindergarten and, you know, learn to color in the lines. And that's, that's not how you innovate. That's not how you, you know, move quite, you just don't move fast that way. You right. can stay still. <laughs> you can stay still that you could do that, but that's about it. And you're really going to peek out, you know, I guess if, if your folks can't feel like they can share ideas and, you know, one of the things I always found is that sometimes ideas can come from anywhere in the organization, you know, and you might think, okay, well, we're having a, a marketing meeting. We're talking about marketing and this, but then somebody from, you know, if you have the right culture and people can speak up, somebody from outside the marketing organization can come up to you and say, have you ever thought about doing this? And I've actually had that situation where they've said, that is brilliant. Like, why did we not think about that? Because we all have our blinders on, right? When we're sitting in a role or a function and having that culture where you're able to, to speak up in that kind of way, you know, just make sure that you are sharing those, those innovative ideas versus, versus not. Yeah. And I mean, innovation is the lifeblood of a company, mm-hmm. of every company, and regardless of what the company's, you know, path is, it, if, with, if you're not innovating, then you're losing. And trying to get people to innovate really does require inviting different thoughts, unique thoughts, thoughts with risks. How do you manage the risk? And, you know, as, as I kind of traveled different roles since, since that one, you can spot people that will lean into psychological safety they create for themselves. If it doesn't exist around them, mm-hmm. you can spot people that without it existing around them just cannot manage through the risk of, of that contrary or different or unique idea. Yeah. Um, and, and it, that piece, that that second piece, really spirals into a, a a culture that does not feel valued as as a person. Yeah, and I think you know then you start to see the the lack of productivity, the lack of employee engagement, the innovation that we spoke about. I mean, it, it, it all of those things can cripple a business. They they are, and you know, and it just kind of take it back a little bit to the to the lean space. That is invisible waste you cannot see. Mm-hmm. You can map visible waste and rework until you're blue in the face, but the lack of ideation, you, you can't map that. <laughs> you can feel it, but you can't find it in a process where, where are the ideas supposed to enter a process? <laughs> you know, the process is intended to be standard. And, and so it, it, it's just, it's sort of contrary to, um, you know, some of the, op, you know, being an operations person, it's yeah. a bit contrary to standard work and, and, you know, mistake proofing things to invite change and ideas. Um, but it is still the lifeblood of improvement and, and it eliminates that invisible waste and, and not just to take it from that route, but that's where you find hidden profit. That's where you find <laughs> hidden revenue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, you know, there's, there's hidden opportunity, the hidden profit that's there that you're not able to realize and it's hard right because we talk about like soft skills psychological safety kind of falls in like this squishy area right but you know you know intuitively (laughs) yeah i mean that there's there's money there there's there's you know opportunity there and uh it's just wasted and 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 it's free because it's your employees it's people around your organization it's free if you can harness it right i love that point it is free It's completely free. You're right. I mean, you know, the whole thing is if you can walk, like if somebody could listen to this 
and it kind of unlocks something, right? And they walk into their team tomorrow and they see five individuals, five opportunities, you know, of, of revenue or ideas or a better way of doing things versus just seeing five employees and coworkers, then they're already making the right step. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's, it starts with the mindset to, to believe that, you know, to ask for ideas and, and, and to lean into it and to see that potential. But I do think it takes, it takes effort to really grow the, that safety and fearlessness to get them without having to ask, right? They, they need to flow freely. Ideas need to flow freely. And making that happen is, I, I think it has, it takes tremendous intent and it takes more than one leader in an area. I mean, I think one person can, can make a difference and they can do so and they can kind of become the pathway of ideas, but that becomes a bottleneck in its own problem. I, I do think it requires really a, a mindfulness to say, when there's a decision to be made, we're going to ask for the recommendation of the person that's talking about the situation, or we're going to force recommendations to come forward and not provide direction, mm-hmm. or we're going to provide options. Maybe it starts with just options if we're you know, not necessarily trusting enough to, to give up the total control of, of what may happen. But it, it starts with leadership trust of, of the employee base. And, and I think um, that's not discussed really very openly either. I mean, even, even in my prior company where we talked openly about physical safety and mm-hmm. psychological safety, and we, we, we put them all in the same box of everybody needs to go home the same way they came to work. And it's both physical and psychological. And it was purposeful every day. Even there, there wasn't a discussion about that trust factor. And like, what's the trigger to start growing that psychological safety? And, and as a leader, if, if, you, if you don't trust your team to make a decision that may not be yours, mm-hmm. a, a disagreement around methodology or the way to measure something or the path forward, if you have to correct and have your way every time, no amount of asking for ideas is going to get you anything. And I think that starts with humility. And that for me has been maybe a journey within the past two years of really understanding it's okay to be wrong and it's okay not to have the answer. And Mm -hmm. it hurts me to say that out loud. (laughs) It really does. Uh, But I just think, you know, as you grow into leadership, that's not what got you to those leadership roles. It's the confidence in the decision-making and, and the, the methodologies that you use to deliver results. But as you become a leader, you, you have to empower others to do the same and not lean into those same behaviors. And that's a big switch for people to make. Um, and I don't think we, I just don't think we coach leaders enough to think about that and the impact on that they have on stifling or enabling growth and innovation. You're right. I, you know, that is an area that I, I often see with, with people that go from individual contributor to a new manager and, you know, not only picking up that manager mantle, but also the leadership that comes along with that. And then being even then being able to understand that, yes, you're a manager and you're now a leader and the difference between those two things and what you have to, to do in that role what made them successful as an individual contributor isn't what's going to make them successful as a leader. I often see that as being a, a real 
mind shift that they have to make. And some make it better than others. A lot of that comes down to their environment and how they were mentored. And, 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 you know, do they have the psychological safety, right? Do they have the leader that says it's okay to make mistakes? These are the things that I'm empowering you to do. And, you know, I'm going to help guide you through this change curve and journey um, that you're going through as a new leader. But, um, you know, often I see it, I see it there because people feel like, all right, I have to be the rock star. And that means me. And they don't realize that it means that, no, it means that I'm harnessing the best out of my team. My team makes me, yeah, it's we, right? We are rock stars and that's okay. I don't need to be in the spotlight, you know, like an individual contributor, maybe to get an opportunity. It's how well are you leading your team? I think you brought up something just in conversation there. That's so important. Just that making mistakes or having something fail and trying something new is, is not without risk of failure. It's just not. I mean, more than half of the ideas are are not going to pan out, at least to the benefit that they were maybe proposed or, or intended. And um, I, I tend to use the word experiment. And, and I got that word from from someone I, I learned from. And that that word has such a powerful meaning because it means that I'm going to try something that might not work mm-hmm. versus I'm going to make this change or this is my strategy or you know, what, whatever the case may be, if you're, if you're deploying an idea that isn't backed in, you know, research and <laughs> you don't have a hundred percent confidence in the word experiment to me kind of signals that we're going to try this yeah. um, and it might not work. Mm. How many times can you try something before you find the right answer? And as long as the experiment doesn't take you backwards, it's still a great foundation you know, to stick with while you look for the and to that. Um, and you can continue to iterate. And, and it, I think it's important to understand that things are iterative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. So often I think business, we want to, we want to make a change and we want it to be, you know, the moonshot <laughs> that, that solved, you know, all, all ill. And that's not necessarily usually the case. And, you know, when you look at, you know, how we're managed from a performance perspective and, you know, what, you know, our goals and objectives are most of those things assume moonshots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I really embraced from a mentor was the whole notion of a minimal viable product. And uh, I remember when they introduced that to me many, many years ago right. as, a, as, a, as a new leader <laughs> and it's the get it. So it's good enough. So that then we can start to iterate. Don't let perfection you know, slow you down. Don't, don't think that it has to be a hundred percent baked, you know, trust yourself, trust your team, have fun with the process and have fun with being able to iterate and think through problems. Also be okay with the fact to your point of experimenting that if it gets to a point and, and you got to kill it, that's okay. That's not seen as a failure because and now they're coaching, which was great, which I, I carry with me to this day is, all the lessons and things that you learn along the way, document those, right? Because there could be other ideas from that. You know, there could be mm-hmm. things that, that, you know, point to other experiments, you know, or whatever, right? But make it that part of the process um, and be okay with failing. Fascinating. You know, it, you know it, I'm just going to say I'm a little ashamed as a chemistry <laughs> major that, that that concept is not something that I, I talk about much, but that you know, yesterday's failure is tomorrow's best, best idea, mm-hmm. and, or, or at least the trigger to generate a new idea. 
um, you know, we, we talk about after action reviews and we do a lot of those, like what can we learn from this situation, but yeah. learning from the failure in terms of harnessing it for a new idea is a different concept that I think I'm stealing from this podcast. Hey, that That's okay. That's why we're here to share ideas, you know? I mean, and I think that's the, that's the beauty of like, this is a safe place. I mean, this is actually one of the reasons why I wanted to create this podcast is to get, you know, people that are, that are, you know, rock stars and experts for us to share ideas, you know, and learn and, and throw things out there and have other people learn from it. And, and, you know, I had a mentor that taught that to me because I was, I was fearful of making mistakes, even though as a leader, I wasn't raised that way as a leader, you know, I was raised really from a leadership, from a military perspective where, you know, certainly, you know, you have to mitigate, um, you know, danger, you know, and things, but, look, if left wasn't right decision and right was, then go right. You know, when you realize it wasn't the right decision, like empower you to do that. It's okay. You know, and, and, and it still took that mentor to kind of unlock this whole notion of the minimal viable product, you know, to, uh, to really get me to see things differently. The difference though, is that they also had that to, to, to the point of psychological safety, they had created that to where if you did fail, you could speak up or you, you know, if you got behind on something around it or you're trying to get through a problem that you could have that conversation, you could go to them or, or, you know, kind of get help to work through it. And that wasn't seen as, Oh, you're a weak leader or you're not strategic. You can't think through things. Um, so I think it goes back, it still goes back to what you're talking about. There was trust. There was the leader and the culture was all there to make that happen because you know what? you could turn around and work for somebody else and they don't have that thought and you go to them and you say, Hey, I'm really, you know, I'm experimenting here. We, we fell on our face on this and they, if they slam the door on you, that's it. I mean, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you're going to conform, right? Yeah. I think there's some, um, you know, when you, when you stumble on, you know, an area a program, a business, whatever the, the slice of, of the challenged space is and, and you end up needing to kind of, work through a turnaround, I, I find that it, the, the triggers and the early warning signs were there. People knew about it. People, they, they just, they were afraid to speak up or they spoke up and they were told to be quiet. And, and with, with no exceptions in my entire career, have I been in the middle of a fix it situation where I haven't discovered that, you know, if we would have engaged six months ago or nine months ago or five weeks ago, or it all depends on the problem, but there's always earlier signs than what ends up being the really bad situation that, that takes a significant effort to overcome. And I also find that people who speak up before the situation is really bad are often really, they're questioned. Are you sure? Are you just risk averse? What evidence do you have? Um, and it's important not to overreact. Don't, don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but I, you know, what, what does it take to create that openness where someone flags a potential concern and we all go investigate it without questioning the mindset of the individual who brings it up? Yeah. And I, I'm not sure I've ever seen the perfect psychological safety in a culture, but I've certainly mm -hmm. seen some areas that are much better than others. And, you know, when you, first were introduced to it and, and then you started to kind of 
cross it with, you know, the Disney experience and then you, just your own strong leadership style and, and, and everything else, right? Start to mold that. Um, you know, I guess what advice would you have for a leader that is in a situation where they realize, look, we need to foster this. We don't have it here, but we, you know, we heard this podcast or we realize that there's, there's an issue and this could really help us out. What are the things that you would say to that leader to take it from something that's on paper and just like you said, a process that, that doesn't really stick, right? You can, you can put it on a wall, right? And, and, but if you don't really make true change, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to, not going to be effective. Right. What advice would you, would you have to that leader? I think the first thing is to talk about it with your peer group and your leader. I think creating an environment of psychological safety, I'm convinced takes more than one person um, to not just create a, a different, very dysfunctional situation. Um, and I think there has to be a willingness if you run into resistance that maybe you have to determine that this isn't the culture you want to, you want to thrive in. And I don't even think that you'll know right away because I, I do believe it's a foreign concept. I believe that, you know, you know, I'm fairly new to a company. I've, I've had some conversations. Some people get it. Some people don't, some people naturally create it, but it takes a while for it to be digested. And I'd say, so I'd say, don't, you have to start with conversation and you can't give up and you need to find real world situations that, that are meaningful to those you're talking to, to talk about, well, what if we would have seen this sooner? Or what if this idea wasn't buried for 10 years? And, you know, there's some really good examples, forget the turnaround pieces. There's some really good examples of innovations that were 20 years old that got uncovered and then sped to market because they're amazing, but they sat there for 20 years on a shelf and some brilliant person had 20 years of not coming up with new ideas because their first idea or that last idea that was so brilliant sat on that shelf. Um, and, and so I think, I, I really think it's just conversation and real world situations and reflection and trying to get people to have the discussion. And then let's, let's, let's try it. You know, everybody has, talent management plans. Everybody has succession plans. Everybody has, you know, all of those engagement plans. Work it into one of those, you know, mainstream activities of what if we were able to get more innovative ideas from our, our employees. And here's a recipe or a critical ingredient in making that happen. And then here's some research. Mm-hmm. Search up the Google research. It, it's there. Look for other leaders that that talk about it. And I really like that. Yeah. You know, weaving into existing processes that you have. And I think what's what's the what's the statistic for the critical mass? What is it like twenty percent? If you can get twenty percent, then your fence sitters will start to come off the off the fence. Yeah, and then you can really grow momentum. So. It, you don't have to have complete alignment with everybody that you work with to, to start building psychological safety. You just have to have that kind of 20% start small, make wins, get people engaged, see the difference. And, and it, it will grow um, depending on your sphere of influence. It might, you know, it'll grow to that, to that limit if, if you can make that happen. But the really powerful thing is to figure out how to get an entire company to wake up and, really lean into the thoughts around what psychological safety can do 
for their bottom line and top line and, and for the people and for the engagement and their talent retention. And I think nearly every metric is improved by having that trust and confidence that you can speak your mind. I love it. I agree. Well, um, Jamie, I, I know that you influence thousands and thousands of people in your new role and they're lucky to have you and they're lucky to have the experience that you bring in and the leadership that you bring in. And, and also that notion of psychological safety and trust, I think that's going to, you know, do wonders for your organization. And, you know, I, I just want to thank you for spending a few minutes here, um, you know, speaking with us and and sharing your ideas and, and your thoughts. And I, I I think it's going to help people who, who listen to this and hopefully they take it to heart. Yeah. I, you know, I know we've talked about this before, but I came away with multiple ideas of my own today to weave into kind of how I pitch this and how I invite people to be more open. And so um, I've taken away as much as I brought, I think. <laughs> so I appreciate the time. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. And you have a wonderful day. Thanks to you too, Jay.